Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Living Fellowship. So good to have everybody here online. Um, very good to have Cindy back with us today and the Rojas family. Rick, Kim, Brianna, it's actually an answered prayer today that you're here. I've been entreating the Lord that we can see you guys more often and uh, thank you. I'm so glad everybody's here today. And got some good things to speak to you. How many of you enjoyed our time with the uh, Ellis family? Pastor Gary and Dawn, very, very good. We had a great time together. And um, I'm going to share some stuff with you along some of the lines that he talked about. And uh, one of our deacons on Thursday night also spoke this and inspired some things. So I'm going to talk to you about the uh, inner man here today. You remember at the beginning of the year, I encouraged everybody that this is the year of the Spirit. This is a year to learn uh, above all other years, how to be led by the Spirit. They that are led of the Spirit, they are the sons of God. And it is extremely important to learn God's voice, let the Spirit of truth lead us and guide us into all truth. Right, Carrie? So if you have your Bibles, we want to turn to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And we'll begin reading in right around the 17th verse. The other phrase that I'm looking at here today and we're going to look at is uh, the inward, taking things inward. When I say that, if you're just listening to this and you can't see me, I'm taking my hands and I'm pointing towards my chest. Take it inward. You'll understand that greater uh, by the time I'm done here today. Then when you take the things of God inward and not leave everything outward, you'll become a more spiritual individual. I'll promise you that because the, the scriptures are written to the inner man, which we're going to see here today. And each and every one of us are made up of a body, a soul, and a spirit. And I, I spoke to you many times about becoming more spiritual. See, there, there's two things that the Bible will do for you. It'll make you carnal, or it'll make you spiritual. Which one do you think you want to become? Because you're already pretty carnal before you ever realize that uh, I need the Lord. I need salvation. I, I need God. And to be carnally minded is death, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The carnal mind is an enmity against God, so that makes it when you're in the carnal mind, you're uh, anti, you're against, anti-Christ. That's, that's whose mind is the carnal mind. But a spiritual mind, it's like Paul said, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but took on the form of a servant, and he humbled himself. He humbled himself even to the death of the cross. So if Paul says, let this mind be in you, the only thing stopping it is us letting. How does that sound? The other thing is sometimes we, and I'll just say it this way, we're not educated. We don't know how these things work. Well, that's a part of my job. As God inspires me and gives me the, uh, the words to speak to you and the inspiration these things are all meant to get you closer to God. And as you're going to read here today, to be strengthened with his might in the inner man. I'm also going to use the book of Job to show you some things here today. Now, the book of Job is a little bit controversial as far as uh, scholars and theologians uh, go. Because most people think, well, the oldest book in the Bible is the book of Genesis. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you go all the way down and then the oldest book is the book of Revelation, right? Well, actually, I'm not going to debate anybody about this, but I will tell you what I believe. I believe the book of Job is older than the book of Genesis. 
And what you're going to see here today with the teachings I'm going to share with you is God takes parables. He takes symbols, allegories to show you one thing for another. Jesus' teachings, remember how he taught? He taught in parables. He would come in and say, a sower went forth to sow. Or he talks about the wheat and the tares. He talks about the widow woman that lost the coin. Or so many different parables. And what he's doing is showing you his doctrine. He spoke, he spake many things unto them in parables and said unto them in his doctrine. So the mysteries of God are purposely planned that way. God has hidden these truths. And then he gives them to whosoever he will. The fact that you get to hear is the beginning of saying, I will. I will listen. I will learn. If you will open my eyes and open my understanding, Lord, I will follow your doctrine. I will follow you wherever you lead me to go. This is being led by the Spirit, correct? So I said all that to say, by the time I'm done, you will realize that Job is the parable of Adam. But as I've said, it's before Adam. Then you take Adam's life and you see that go all the way through. And remember last weekend was uh, Easter weekend, Resurrection Sunday. And uh, we spoke some from, I know um, I did, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, which is commonly known as the resurrection chapter. And if you go look at 1 Corinthians 15 being the resurrection chapter, it tells the resurrection through Adam. Now, when I say that, there's a first and a last Adam. Now, in verse 35, it says, Some men will say, when the dead are raised up, with what body do they come? And Paul says, Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it first die. I'm saying all this to show you this allegory of the resurrection of the life, uh, even of the seed of the word of God, is told through Adam, first and last. The first man was of the earth earthy, he was made a living soul. God breathed into Adam's nostrils and he became a living soul. He breathed the breath of life. But who's the last Adam? It says the Lord from heaven, from heaven, the second Adam, the last Adam. Now here's the biggest difference right here. The first Adam was made a living soul with the breath of life in him. You know who the last Adam? You know it is Jesus. You just told me. But you know how God describes the last Adam, the second Adam? Carrie's saying it right now. I can read her lips. He's a quickening spirit. So when Jesus is in your heart, he's there to quicken you. He's there to make you alive. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Truth is so important. What we're going to read here today that God desires truth in the inner man, in the inward man. So, <clears throat> Tim, I'm going to have you testify here today what happened while Gary was here. Because Gary was doing some teaching on a, a false prophet. And we'll even look at Deuteronomy, the uh, 13th chapter, uh, where it talks about different um, representations of the souls. How many of you can name those five different representations of the souls right now? Anybody? Not in order. No, I, it don't have to be in order. There's just five. You got them? The wife? The son? Keep going, Sharon. The, son. the daughter? And the brother. <laughs> That's okay. We can always go back and read it. That's all right. <laughs> Sharon threw a little extra neighbor in there, but that's all right. We're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves, right? It's the second great commandment. 
And the first is to love God and our neighbors ourselves. I can see where she got that from, and, and I'm fine with it. But it's, it's the wife, it's the friend, it's the brother, it's the daughter, and it's the son. See, the representations of the soul, if we go back and read it, it says, which are as thine own soul, right? When you take that inwardly, let's say that you're, you're, are, you have a dream. And one of your family members like that are in the dream. A lot of times people like to think that I had a dream about my wife, Christy. And I'm going to go tell her this dream. But what if my wife, Christy, in my dream is a parable and it really means something about my soul? Mike, if I go put that on her, I just told a lie. I didn't keep it, and here's how I'm going to teach you here today, inward. I didn't take it inward and make it about me. I'm going to encourage you to do that here today, and you'll see why. You'll become more spiritual, Julie. You'll be learn the mind of Christ, and by mercy and truth, iniquity has purged him. That truth that you allow to work in the inward parts, that God desires for you to have wisdom in the inward parts, truth in the inward parts, that is like the scripture says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. How does that sound? The truth will make you free. And I'll tell you something else I'll add to it, and you'll agree with me by the end of today. If you begin to take the Word of God inward, you are on your way to being a more spiritual individual than you've ever been in your life. This happened to Tim in Gary's visit. He's talking about that false prophet, that dreamer of dreams in Deuteronomy 13. And, and Tim, like others in the church, uh, he's a little bit more like me. We weren't raised in, a, in church. Um, he rode bulls, I rode motorcycles. <laughs> we both raced cars, we both uh, did a little bit of fighting and stuff in our time, huh Tim? Probably me a little more than you. But uh, what I'm saying is we had a lot of people that were raised in church were good, wholesome church boys. Tim and I are basically heathens, okay? You know? But for he that's forgiven for much loveth much, right Tim? So we love much. The reason I'm telling you these things is Tim wasn't raised in church. He was never really set under a false prophet. He was never really set under a man that would lead him astray or, or rule over him, um, control him, those things like that. He's always been with us here at Living Fellowship. Am I telling the truth, Tim? So when Gary taught on the false prophet in Deuteronomy 13, starting in verse 1, if there arise a prophet among you, a dreamer of dreams, it gives you a sign or a wonder. Even if the sign of the wonder come to pass, Julie, don't follow. He's going to lead you astray. He's going to work through your soul. This false prophet, this dreamer of dreams, is going to work through your soul, Bryce, and the lust that's there to get you to go serve other gods. Now, to Tim's credit, what he did was he took it all inward. He realized that this is about my soul. This is about a lying prophet, a false prophet, a devil that could work with inside my inner being, my inner man. Testify for me, Tim, if I led you up to it well enough. Yeah, um, so when, when Gary began to talk about that, and the scripture says, if there arise among you, and that word began to raise up my awareness of a false prophet, raise up the false prophet within and I began to just uh, keep paying very close attention to my thoughts over that week. And um, the more I meditated, the more I preached on it, the more you guys were able to counsel me and lead me to a place where there was a voice that's been there my whole life and came to the point where I'm now I'm being able to discern that voice 
that's a false prophet that's leading me astray when he speaks. So the more he speaks, the more my ear is open and I'm listening very carefully not to follow, but to learn and allow God to teach me about that voice. And like you said, I began to take it within. It's not a person out here that's leading me astray. Because if you believe or don't believe something, it all starts within your own being. You have to decide what to listen to and what to follow. And if we're not able to discern those voices, we'll be listening to a voice that will lead us astray. That's kind of the condensed, shorter version, but God's beginning to open a chapter within my heart and my mind about this false prophet to discern. Oh, I think that's a great testimony, a great one. As our beloved pastor Rick Rush would say, Tim, you begin to put your finger on it. You begin to put your finger on it, you're going to stay with it. Because what are we dealing with right here? What is the inner man, the inward parts? Isn't it the heart? Isn't it thought and intent? You can't see thought. You can't see intent. As a matter of fact, you can't see God. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You can't see a spirit with these eyes. You've got to be in the spirit. For God, God's got to put an image to his word for you to be able to see that word and hear that word. And like John said in 1 John, the first chapter, handle the word of life that was with us from the beginning. So how do you handle the word? Well, look at your Bible, 66 uh, books, 39 Old Testament, 27 New, is full of God's words. And here's how it works. God imagined, or let's say it this way, God thought everything he created. Then he spoke or created a word to make image. Well, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn among every creature, of all creatures? It's Jesus. Uh, St. John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. So God puts image to his thoughts. Or imagination. This is the best way to look at it. Jesus is the image. He's the express image of the invisible God. These are all scriptures that I'm, I'm talking to you about here today. He is the very manifested imagination of the unseen, omnipotent, invisible God. Jehovah. The existing one. The eternal one. Are you with me here so far? So in order for you to understand God, we have to hear and we have to see. we got to be able to understand and we got to be able to perceive. That's what seeing is, is perceiving. Hearing is understanding. So God's created this awesome way, Jennifer, of revealing himself to us through his word because he's a spirit. And, and hopefully you know here today, I said it already, you're made up of a body, soul, and spirit. So you're made in his image and in his likeness. You have a body, you have a soul, you have a spirit. In order for God to replicate himself in you and I as a spirit, we got to realize we're spirits also. Now the good news about that is we just celebrated the resurrection, didn't we? So there's an eternal life for each and every one of us. We're not just going to be physical individuals and die without hope. Go back to the dust of the earth. To the ground with no hope, with no thought of any afterlife. It's not true. It's a lie. But there's one prerequisite you have to have to, inter to inherit eternal life. you got to believe. 
you got to believe. And if you believe here today, these things I'm speaking to you, these things I'm teaching you, will go into your inner man. They will go into your heart. They will work in your thoughts. And you will be changed into the image of God. You will be placed in the body of Christ. We are baptized into Jesus Christ. We are already made in his image and his likeness. We just need to know who we are and begin to walk as the children of God. That all takes place, carried by being led by the Spirit. And the awesome part about that is our God, our creator, is patient. <laughs> He's kind. He's merciful beyond anybody you'll ever meet in your whole entire life, let me promise you. And he's got a plan. You just need to realize you're a part of his plan. And there is purpose, Cindy, for you, for me, for each and every one of us in this room. There is purpose. There is predestination that has taken place. And if we will, if we'll have a willing heart, God will reveal these things to us, Carrie, and he'll walk us right through it into eternal life. See, if you look at Hebrews, the fourth chapter and the twelfth verse, it tells us right there, Mike, that the word of God, it's quick and it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing of soul and spirits and the joints and marrow. But you know what it says it is, Tim? You know it does because you can quote the scripture. It is a discerner of the thought and the intent of the heart. Can I say it to you this way? It's a discerner of the thought and the intent of the inner man. Now we're going to read in Ephesians 4. With everything I said right there, I'm going to lead you right up to this. Are you ready? I don't even know if we'll get to the book of Job today, but we'll get it started. Are you ready? Ephesians 4. Actually, I want you, if you would, please go with me to Ephesians, the third chapter. We'll come to Ephesians 4 later. Ephesians, the third chapter. Now, Paul starts off talking about the mystery of the gospel that has been received. And he gets down and he starts a prayer about having spiritual strength. Are you ready? Paul said, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. What's the family of heaven and earth named? Jesus. After Jesus. That's why there's one God, one Father, one body, Julie, one baptism, one spirit, one Father who's above all and in you all. And there's also only one body, the body of Christ. But there are many members of that body. And Bryce, we are members of his body. Okay? This is the unity. Verse 16, he said, That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Now notice something very distinct here. The Bible said there is an inner man. You with me? It also tells you in another place, I think it's in the book of Peter Tim, there's a hidden man of the heart, which is a meek and quiet spirit. Thank you. The hidden man of the heart, the inner man, Julie, you invited a friend to one of the Bible study one time. We started talking about the inner man, and they said to her, what, what are you guys talking about? I've never heard that terminology before. So sometimes just through ignorance, we don't realize that we need to take the word of God, Edith, inward. Now, I will say this. When Jesus addressed the Pharisees and called them hypocrites, called them liars, called them whited sepulchers, you know what he said about them, Jennifer? You make white the outside. 
Inside you're full of dead men's bones. Ravening wolves you are. He said, you'll clean up the outside of the platter. But what's going on on the inside? See, you can fool people. You can put on a mask. You can put on a face. You can put on all these nice clothes. You can even put on a smile and come to church every single day. But we've taught this many times. I believe it's, uh, Julie, is it 1 Samuel 16 or 2 Samuel 16? thought it was 1 Samuel 16 and 7. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Now that was taking place when God was going to, or did, ordain King David as a young, ruddy shepherd boy to be king. His brothers were bigger than him. His brothers appeared to be the ones that would get the ordination, right, Jim? But God doesn't look at the outward appearance. And thank God for that, huh? Uh, thank God that God's looking at your heart, that he's looking at your thought, and that he's looking at your intent, and he's given to you accordingly. Because somebody that could come in and say, Man, I love Jesus, I love God, and then hate his brother, or hate somebody with hate in his heart? That's what John says, huh, Sharon? You, you can't hate your brother and say, I love God. You can, but you can do it. But I'm just telling you, it's not going to work out so good for you because you're going to be deceived. You're, you're going to, um, as he said, you make God a liar. Now, God's not a liar, but to you he is now. So when you stand praying, forgive. How does that? I know there's a lot of people that need to hear this and need to know this. We need to forgive one another. And we need to forgive ourselves, first of all and foremost. And, and this is just a real quick throw in here. When you forgive, Rick, it's not for the other person. They don't even have to accept your forgiveness. It's to keep your heart. It's to protect you. It's to protect your thoughts. It's to protect your mind. Or, Jennifer, your inner man. The inward, Julie, the inward parts is where God desires truth. So I can dress up on the outside... And say everything just like the Pharisees. Remember Jesus said, with your lips you do honor me? He told them. With your lips do, you do honor me. But your heart, your inner man is far from me. Okay? We're doing some ministry, uh, ministering here today, folks. Let's listen and pay, uh, pay attention. I'm going to go back to 16. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Now watch this. You're strengthened by might, by his spirit, Bryce, in the inner man. This is why. Stay with me. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Where do you begin to dwell in Christ? With the inner man. With the strength that his spirit gives you. you I'm going to read it again. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints... What is the breadth and length and depth and height that you'll know the fullness of God? It's going to say this, Julie. All four dimensions. And to know the love of Christ with which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That all the fullness of God is the breadth, it's the length, it's the depth, it's the height, it's to know the love of Christ with patch, uh, passeth knowledge. And then he said, verse 20, 
Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to his power that worketh, where? In us. I'm going to say something real quick before I read that last verse. After today, when you read your Bibles, Genesis to Revelation, all 66 books, you're going to start to notice things that jump out at you that tell you to put it inward, to take the Word of God inward. And God wrote it this way in a mystery on purpose. Because if he doesn't allow you, invite you, give you permission, just like uh, Revelation 2 and 7, to he that overcometh, God will give the right to eat of the tree of life. If he doesn't open your eyes, give you the invitation, and ask you to come in, which you're hearing the invitation right now, these things are hid from you. But Allison, what's going to happen is as you read your Bible from this day forth, you're going to see how God desires, Tim, truth in the inward parts. How he has written the word of God to the inner man. Are you with me? And you say, well, I've never looked at things like that before. Exactly. That's a testimony to God. That's how awesome God is. See, these are rich, uh, riches of heaven. Do you remember the rich man came to the Lord? What good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? I'm not going to get into it. The good thing, Tim, would have been follow Jesus. He had earthly treasure. Jesus said, if you go sell what you have, give it to the poor, come follow me, then you'll have riches in heaven. But because he had great riches in the earth, he didn't realize all I simply have to do is follow you and you will get me straight into heaven, Jesus. I'm going to dwell in the earth. I'm going to lay up my treasures on the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where a thief can break through. And still, you remember, I reversed that, but Jesus said, lay not up your treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, but lay up your treasure, where at, Sharon? Why? Because where your treasure is, good job, Sharon, you just redeemed yourself. How's that? Where your treasure is, Bryce, there will your heart be also. That's why we, we love life. I love life. You guys, you love life here? You love one another, and we got a good life. I, I personally believe we live in the greatest com, uh, country in the world. You don't have to agree with me. I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, I love my wife. I love my family. I got my beautiful granddaughter, Jade, here with me today. I love you guys. But my heart's desire is heavenly. My true treasure is in heaven and that's where my heart is also and that as edith knows is a promise of eternal life isn't that awesome we celebrated that uh we celebrated the death burial and resurrection of jesus last week and we um gary did a great job preaching and the house was full there wasn't a, a open seat in the whole place julie put together such a, a great uh, service for our community for each and every one of us the the food the um what's the easter bunny thing uh, egg hot <laughs> eggs everything for the kids right it's not about the easter bunny it's about jesus isn't it but for all of you that pulled together to be a part of that we do that as a service to our community we invite anybody and everybody i don't care if you're atheist you're buddhist you're muslim you call yourself a christian whatever we do that because we love God, right, Julie? Because we love Jesus, and we want to share with our community and those that are around us um, the things that God has done for us and give them an opportunity to be partakers of the thing, same things. 
In other words, we want to always uh, work faith by love. Be rooted and grounded in the love of God. And, and as servants of the Lord, we put ourselves second. Don't we, Daryl? We put Jesus first and ourselves second. And as he leads us, we do what he leads us to do. And I, God is leading you right now to understand that you're going to be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man that, let me read it here, you might be rooted and grounded in love. <clears throat> now the last verse in this chapter. It says, unto him be glory in the church of, of Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Now, about at the end of our time, how long have we been going? Five more minutes. How does that sound? I told you I was going to share the story of Job with you, which is an allegory or, or a parable, and I hope you perceive it after I'm done, of Adam and his life. Remember in the beginning with Job, there was a day when the sons of God presented themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also, right? God strikes up a, a conversation with Satan and says, hey, have you considered my servant Job? Bryce, have you ever read the, the book of Job? For so many chapters, it doesn't look like he was perfect. But let me say something to you, and you need to hear this and realize this here today. You are what God says you are. You are who God says you are. And if God says in his eyes, Jennifer, you're perfect, he's going to make sure that that is true. And that's what he did in the book of Job. He said, have you considered my servant Job a perfect man, an upright man, one that fears God and escheweth evil? And you know, Satan got to twice. He touched what he had, and he touched his body. He took away from him. He took his family. He took his wealth. He took all those things. And then God proved throughout this story that what he said was true. But there was a thing going on this whole time with, the, with uh, Job. Think about Adam. Look at the similarities. Was Adam God's son? Huh? Was Satan there to have a conversation with Eve? And Yeah? Do you know that one of the biggest things that God addressed in the book of Job was he had four friends. Three that were not good friends. <laughs> I'm going to read it to you in the very last chapter, chapter 42. They spoke things about God to Job that were not right. God did not tell them to speak this. Now look at this allegory. It's a parable inside of a parable. There was three friends that spoke wrong and one that spoke good. His name was Elihu. He was a younger man, Daryl. He held his peace. He let the older ones say all their negativity, say all their lies about God, tried to condemn Job, put him down, even though God said he's perfect. And you know what it says about him? They were his friends. Wait a minute, Sharon. Wasn't one of the aspects of the souls in Deuteronomy 13 and 6 that would lead you astray, the friend? It absolutely is. So what is it, Zophar, Bildad, and Eliphaz. When Jesus taught about the grounds, how many grounds were there? Four. Three wayside, stony, thorny ground that brought forth no fruit, Julie. But there was a good ground. In Job's world, his friend was Elihu. That was prayed in God's stead. He's a type of Christ. The other aspects of the soul were going to lead him astray. 
But God had already said in the beginning, he's a perfect man. And he let Satan touch him. Did God let Satan intervene and interfere with his son Adam? Did he have a plan for Adam to be Jesus? Oh, let me say again, because I don't want to mess you up. Did God have a plan for the first Adam to become the second Adam? Did God have a plan from he that was of the earth and earthy, a living soul, to become a quickening spirit in the resurrection? Does God have a plan for each and every one of you here today to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man and to go, to go from an Adam. Tim, you just talked about these things. To go from an Adam that's of the earth, earthy, that struggles, has problems, has weaknesses. To a man named Jesus Christ Bryce that is perfect, that is raised in his image and in his likeness. It's such a beautiful story. Job is 42 chapters. Adam was 4,000 years from Adam to Jesus Christ. It is so beautiful, the whole thing. Let me, let me read to you real quick. Job, that 42nd chapter right towards the end here. He's going to put some things together for you. Let me see here. Yeah, verse 7. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz, Eliphaz the Timonite, my wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, for ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right as my servant Job hath. Tim, is the, are these three a representation of that false prophet? that you took inwardly, that would speak things that would lead you astray, away from God, and God's right there to catch them. Here's the other thing. You know what God did, Julie? He put it in Job's power. He put it in Jesus' power. He put it in Job's power to pray for them, Daryl. And if Job didn't pray for them, they would have experienced the continual wrath of God. But Job... As Jesus would. As the last Adam would, Julie. He prayed for his friends. You know why he'd do something like that? Because he had an, a representation of his soul, a thought in their name, Elihu. Which was Jesus. Which each and every one of us have here today. What a beautiful parable, huh? So Tim, there may be a false prophet there, and not maybe there is thoughts that would condemn you, try to lead you astray. But bro, what about that still small voice? He said there's one greater than that false prophet. His name is Jesus. It, it's Elihu. Go read this whole story when you get a chance. Elihu said, he said, I kept quiet because they were older than me. Some old men. That's another Bible study altogether. I let them speak. See what wisdom in those things they had. But he let him know. I'm here, I'm prayed in God's stead. I'm here as an ambassador, like Paul said, of Christ to you, Job. And he spoke the things to Job of truth. And then God called it all out together and said, those three, they weren't helping you, Bryce. They were condemning you. You want to throw one more on top of it? Sharon, what did his wife say? Are you still going to keep your integrity, Job, after all Satan's done to you and everything's taken away from you? Are you still going to be a man of integrity? Are you still going to believe in Jesus Christ? Although, whew, 
so many things have happened to you? Your daughter committed suicide in your home? Are you still going to have faith in me? Yes, you are. You may lose everything. You may not understand why life is the way it is at times here. But I'm going to tell you something. If you take the word of God in inward and you take the thought of God in the inward parts where God desires truth, it's all going to come together for you and it's all going to make sense. And God is going to lead you right into eternal life. What do you think about that? Do you know what I spoke here today? You know who it's to, Mike? To whosoever will, bro. To whosoever will. God's willing and he's able. What do you say here today? I say, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Amen? Whole lot more to talk about. I'm going to wrap it up right here for today. God loves you. I love you. This word was sent to you here today, and I hope you will take it inward. And you will cherish it, and God will lead you closer to him every single day of your life. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Thank you.